Christian artist. Here we go. This is the Christian artist. I, I don't know why. Like I'm I, I don't do the normal like this is the Christian artist when we're doing it on stream, because I'm so used to saying hello hello, like when we do a RPG stream. Uh, um, okay. But like you know, let's, let's start this over again. This is the Christian artist. Honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. Welcome. This is the 87th episode of the Christian Artist. Um, we are here once more to do things and entertain say things, you all. entertain you all, hopefully edify you. Our I feel brilliance. Like it's more important, but... Yeah. Um, and we will see if anything that comes out of our mouths is actually brilliant. Who <laughs> knows? Who knows? Um. <laughs> all right. So for the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost an hour actually of us mm-hmm. sitting down here was trying to come up with an no, idea we weren't sitting here for an hour we were sitting here yeah, you got home at like eight forty-five. So okay like so half an hour half an hour then yeah okay so but here we are we finally came up with an idea yeah um caleb wrote a short story called spend a winter in hell Ooh, <laughs> it's very dark Is this age appropriate caleb for Probably the children not. okay it's well, not like bad but right. it's not like good <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> Who knows, Connor? Who knows? All right, so a darker, darker yeah, story. Still, it has darker themes. Darker story. I um, don't like the way that uh, it formatted this, but oh well. So he, None he of you wrote it, see it, and he couldn't come up with an ending for it. So yep. we figured we would brainstorm endingless. what the ending would be. I, I recalled the idea for this story. I don't remember it being dark. Do you remember the idea? Tell me what you think the idea uh, for the story it's is. It's a blind guy, mm-hmm. and he's blind. Yep. And uh, that's not an idea for a story. That's I just believe a guy. there's this dude who comes into his house or something, and that is a true statement. Threatens to send him to hell. No, but you know, he tried. <laughs> that's that's what I thought. That's okay though. All right. Yeah. So um. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull up the um the chat here because I really didn't have a, I don't have my laptop oh, in here right oh, now. It's um, but well, that's the thing I can't talk to Carly because obviously because Carly's watching this right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, what do so, you what do you want us to do? You should like get your phone out or something. Okay. And like go to Twitch and, and go to my thing. You know, anyway. I'm not wearing the short inside out today. That's pretty nifty, huh? Or not inside out, but backwards. Yesterday, why were you wearing? I went to church with the you shirt. You went to church wearing it backwards. Yeah, okay. wearing it backwards, but I was wearing a sweatshirt the whole time. Okay, so it didn't matter. Is, that's okay then. <clears throat> yeah, it's fine. All right. Okay, what am I doing now? Twitch.com. Uh, t- yeah. Uh, actually, you need the app. Never mind. It's not gonna be worth it. I'll just have it up on my phone. All here, right. And hopefully, my my phone will not die. Um, nifty. You know what? I'm just gonna do it the other way around because I don't need I don't need this this Kindle for um actually like reading it i can read it on my phone that's probably an easier way to do it okay do we'll it, do that then do it on here anyway that's completely irrelevant to the yeah sorry guys this is like very last second for us um this is just like us basically just being like right christian artist um uh here's a thing um i just have i haven't been feeling well today too so i kind of just like sat on this futon for like an hour while i was waiting for Connor to come home and just kind of like felt miserable so um bear with us wonderful um well i'll you know next week will probably be better um <laughs> but but it's fine it's fine um 
Cool. Because, right. I, yeah, I just want to be able to see if Carly's saying things. Because um, Carly's cool. And I want to make sure that I, I can see if she's saying things. Um, if you said anything up to this point, I probably haven't seen it because for some reason on Twitch chat loads weird. I will try to edit all of this out for the audio version. That's um, wonderful. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Anyway, so we are going to be reading through my half-finished short story, or maybe three-quarters finished short story. I don't know how long this is going to be. I wrote this, oh gosh, two years ago now? Um, it's been a while. Um, and it's been kind of like just sitting in this half-finished state for quite a while now. And so I've had, I don't know, I, I have no real idea on how to end it or like even like where it was going exactly. I like it and I like like the th things that happened in it. And I have a general like, I thought I did some good foreshadowing for like the the climactic like, um, oh gosh, oh no sort of scene. But now I don't know how to wrap it up. Like after the twist happened, I don't know how to wrap it up in a good concise way that is still foreshadowed. Okay, we'll just read it then. And so, yeah, let's, without further ado, I will just read Spend a Winter in Hell. Manuel swore on his two good hands that he would send his children to hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they had tried to kill him again, foolish whelps. The first time it had been amusing, as had the second. After six attempts, Manuel had grown tired of the game. But this last try, this desperate, foolish move convincing or bribing one of his most loyal men to betray him, they had gone too far. Manolf shook his head, feeling his aging bones creak as he stood up and started walking, leaving what was left of his former employee behind. He wasn't in the mood to bother with a proper funeral for the man, and there wasn't much left of him anyway. The sounds of the forest were as they always were. The cawing of crows, the wind in the trees, the crunch of snow underneath Manolf's boots, no one, not even the earth herself, paused and remembered for the man who had just been murdered. The only eulogy Atris had received had been a fleeting moment of nervous silence from the trees just after he had choked on his own blood. Manulf coughed, Manulf coughed up a bit of phlegm and spat, and that was the last he thought of Atris. He could not see the crows, or the trees, or the snow, as the darkness surrounding him was impenetrable, but he had been without his eyes for long enough to find his way through the forest by other means. His remaining senses had become incredibly keen, but it was the power that let him walk as confidently as he did. He had traded his eyes to get it, and he had never once regretted that decision. He was stronger now, even in his old age, than he had ever been as a young man. That was why everyone still feared him, and why his children had tried to kill him. Their mistake. And thus, their consequences. Manuel flexed his fingers in anticipation as he felt a hot spot in the space around him. Yes, he should use it. Normally he would just walk, but he was alone, and he would rather finish this as soon as possible. He plunged his hands into just the right location, a crack between the dimensions, and then pulled the space apart. He felt a rush of wind as the air was sucked into the emptiness he had opened, and smiled. He stepped in the portal, a feeling of weightlessness suddenly overtaking him, and turned with an elegant spin. He pulled the crack closed again and then began to float in the void, letting the silent currents take him home. Oh, how he loved it here, in the winds. The freedom, the endlessness of it all. Here, it mattered not that he was old or blind. He was in control. He decided where to go and what to do. Unlike the earth, which was cold and full of obstacles, both physically and mentally, the winds were his own. 
Eventually, he would arrive and be forced to step back into the icy world, but for now, he floated. Manu thought about Bjard, the town he had lived in all of his life. It was his, just as the winds were his. Every person in every house lived because he willed it. He was in control of their lives, their destinies. His business ran Bjard, but just as it ran the rest of the country. His caravan sold everyone everything from here to the far side of the mountains, and he had all the money he could ever want. And yet it was the control that he savored, not the wealth, the feeling of absolute power. He was not an emperor, nor was he a king. He did not wear a crown, nor did, nor did he make official policies or give pretty speeches. He was simply a man, but he was the man who ruled the world. There, Manu thought, sensing the, that the hot spot he needed was ahead. The winds were roughly the same size as the real world, a dimension functioning parallel to his own, though it was infinitely easier to travel through, and as such he had simply rode the current in the direction he needed to go until he had reached the spot parallel to his destination on the other side. He forced the crack open with his hands and spilled through onto the cold murderous they called the Earth. He, re he reluctantly closed the portal, though all he wanted to do was go back inside. Down that path lay madness, however. If one stayed in the winds too long, one never wanted to leave and would become convinced that nothing else even existed. A dangerous fate to toy with. But Manolf had always been a dangerous man. The street he had come out of on the he had come out of the winds onto was quiet. It was still relatively early in the morning, and Manolf strolled along its cobbled surface towards home. His children wouldn't be expecting any news about what had transpired in the woods for a few hours yet, and they definitely weren't expecting him to return, so this visit would be quite the surprise for them. For a fleeting moment, he wished he still had his eyes, if only to see the look on Vevin's face when his son saw him. But no, Manulf had something far better than eyes. His house lay before him. He couldn't see it, of course, but he could imagine it in his mind's eye quite plainly. A modest building painted a dark red, old in design and feel. It stood on the lonely corner where two unimportant streets intersected. One would think the man with every person's fate for hundreds of miles in any direction in the palm of his hand would have more flattering accommodations. But no, that wasn't Manolf's style. He wasn't anything special. He was a powerful man, but old and blind and not without his flaws. And besides, this was his home. It had been for almost 83 years, and that was enough for him. He walked until he knew he was in front of the thick oak door that was his entrance. His power, in addition to letting him ride the winds, also gave him, him an innate sense of direction and spatial awareness. He knocked once, then twice. No one answered. He knocked again. A stirring from inside. A second later, a voice mumbled from the other side of the portal. Who is it? What do you want? It was Olas, his eldest daughter. Open the door, Olas, Manulf said, his voice barely a whisper, yet it hid behind it the force of a hundred thunderstorms. We need to talk. Father, Olaf said, obviously surprised. Is is that you? Don't make me repeat myself, Olaf. Manulf heard a lock turn and the door creaked open. Come in, father. Olaf stood just inside. Manulf imagined his tall, beautiful daughter just into her thirtieth year. She was probably as pale as new snow. We didn't think you were going to be back so soon. Her voice shook in terror, and Manulf smiled in response. This was going to be so much fun. Gather your brothers and sisters, the old man said, stepping in and hanging up his coat on the rack next to the door. He didn't need eyes or his power to remember exactly where the pegs were. Atris is dead. And with that, he walked into the kitchen and proceeded to start tearing into a loaf of bread on the dining table. 
Olaf scurried up the stairs behind him, and soon after he heard the frightened gasps and murmurs of the rest of his offspring. Manulf kept smiling as he ate the bread, savoring each bite and each whispered cry. He'd always enjoyed the fear, the sense of control he got every time another person bowed down to his superiority. He was a little bit of a megalomaniac that way, but he had lived with himself long enough to both recognize and accept these little flaws of his. The sound of footsteps began as his children descended from the second floor. Olas, of course, then Vevin, the eldest son, followed by Manulf's son, sons Jean, Bed, and Tornar, and lastly by little Udrid, his second daughter and youngest child of sixteen years. Manulf ignored them all, chewing on his bread as they filed into the kitchen. He could almost sense the anxiety, thicker than air as it swirled around them all. He let them drown in it for a few minutes, not saying a word as he continued to eat. They were all terrified, wondering what he would do next. This was the first time he'd ever confronted them directly after one of these attempts. For all they knew, this was the first one he had ever found out about. They wouldn't dare speak out of turn lest they incur his wrath. That was at least one thing they had learned. He was in control. They were not. As I told Olas, and as she undoubtedly told you, Atris is dead, Manolf said. I can't say I didn't see it coming, though. He was reckless and foolish. The greatest swordsman alive, yes, but a remarkably stupid man. Now, because of that stupidity, he is only the 27th greatest swordsman dead. He tried to kill me for some inexplicable reason, and so I had to kill him instead. It wasn't that hard, really. Nothing ever is when you're me. His children shuffled slightly, confused. Maybe he doesn't know we're behind it, they were surely thinking. Maybe we got away with it again. Manuf laughed suddenly, a cold chuckle. <laughs> His sons and daughters still hadn't said a word. Vevin. Come here. Manulf beckoned his son. Vevin stepped forward hesitantly. He was a big man with a soft voice. Yes, father. Your mother would be so proud of your reckless treachery. Curse her name. I I don't understand. Uh, what do you mean, father? I mean the only way I'm not going to stab you in the throat right now is if you give me the names of every single person who is involved in the planning or execution of the seven different attempts on my life in the past two years. Do I make myself clear? The room was silent. Then Udrid spoke up. It was all Vevin and Olas. None of the rest of us were involved. He tried to get us to betray you, but, but we refused. Manilf heard Vevin turn and strike his sister, sending her sprawling to the floor. Shut up, you witch. You'll get us all killed. Manilf stood to his feet. I am willing to kill you all right now, every last one of you, unless you give me names. I want the head of anyone who has tried or planned to take my life. Any one of you who wishes to beg for mercy may do so. I may spare you. He was snarling now, so enraged that he was shaking. His idiotic, ungrateful, mongrel children. He wanted to wring every last one of their necks. It was just them, father! Udrid started screaming, but then degenerated into a gurgle of uh, blood as Vevin drew his knife and slit her throat where she lay. Don't listen to her, father, Vevin said, trying to yell over the rest of her, his siblings, who were all blaming each other incomprehensibly. She was the one who got Atris to try it. She persuaded him. It was all Vevin! Olas screamed. It was all him! And then Tornar was yelling and charging Manulf, drawing his sword with a scrap of steel on a scabbard. Manulf shook his head, always the impulsive one. The old man sidestepped his young athletic son, drawing, drawing his own jagged edged blade from its place at his side. What Tornar had in youth, Manulf had in experience. He kicked his son square in the head, sending him flying towards the wall. With a slash, he brought Olas down as well, who was screaming in terror. John and Bed were already running. Then Manulf tore another hole in the dimensions, but not to the winds, to hell itself. It was the most dangerous thing he could try, but
but he would not let his children get away with attempting to kill him again. They would all die, and if he loosed a demon, so be it. Sometimes he was selfish like that. There was gnashing of teeth, screaming, horrible cries of pain and anguish, and hideous laughter as well. It filled the small room, echoing out from the rift in space the size of quilt. Manulf could feel the incredible heat. It engulfed him and made him instantly break out into a sweat. But it also gave him a shiver, a shiver of pleasure. Olas was the first to go. Manulf hefted her by her neck as she squirmed, her own blood covering her hands, slippery as she tried to pry his fingers off. He yelled out in rage and threw her into the gaping maw, where she fell screaming into the mass of bodies in flame. He spat once into the rift and turned to find his other children, and then he felt a searing pain as a blade narrowly missed his neck, instead slicing through his face and his empty eye socket. Manulf cried out in agony and then anger, and then pure unholy hatred. Tornar, standing a step away with sword in hand, hesitated. Manulf spun and knocked the weapon from his son's grip with a swift kick, and then grabbed a fistful of hair with his remaining hand. With a yank, he brought the boy's head down the same, at the same moment he brought his knee up, smashing Tornar's face in. Then he was dragging the struggling boy towards the flames. Tornar tried to break, break, free, break his father's hold, grasping at Manulf's hand weakly, but Manulf ignored him and was soon at the edge of the portal. Please! Tornar cried out, almost a broken slob broken sob. His face was bleeding and broken. Mercy! Curse you, child, Manulf snarled. I hope you die a thousand deaths in the pit. Tornar went out with even less dignity than his sister had, crying like a sick child as he plummeted into the charnel pit of broken souls. Manulf remembered that place keenly. The pain, the death, the fire. That was where he had lost his eyes. That was where he had died and been reborn. Manulf turned, wiping at the trickle of his blo a blood on his face from where Tornor had cut him. He didn't have time to tend it right now. He had to finish this. Vevin. Where was Vevin? Jan and Bed had ran. Udrid was probably already dead. Manulf took a step and felt something sticky. Yes, Udrid was dead. Her lifeblood was spilled all over the floor. It was going to take forever for that to come out of the wood. Curse them, all his children. He should have killed them years ago. He strained to hear if someone was in the room, while trying to sense if there was anything out of the ordinary. His spatial awareness let him know where the obstacles were, but didn't make out fine details. He knew the layout of the kitchen by heart, so... There. He was right in front of him. How did... A sword swung. Menelf sensed the movement just a moment before it would have killed him. Ducking and rolling out of the way, covered him, covering himself in Udrid's blood. Menelf swore again. This was a new shirt! He dipped and then swung at where he sensed Vevin to be. To be... To the right. He was met with a clang as his son blocked the blow. You just think you can take all of my money, my entire business, through a coup? Manolf screamed as he swirled, as he twirled back out of reach of his son's swipe. Haven't you learned anything from history, boy? An empire's weakest shift just after the first emperor dies. If you're the one with a knife in your hand when I go to spend my winter in hell, you won't be the emperor. You'll just be the man who killed him. I have my own supporters, Vevin snarled. He charged and swung, but Manolf blocked his son's blade with his own and then sent him sprawling back with a shove, knocking him off balance. They will make sure that your empire doesn't go down with you. Manolf's eyes hardened, and he paused, holding his sword before him. How long has it been in planning, Vevin? How many are involved? Vevin shook his head. It doesn't matter, father. You won't live long enough to make a difference. Manolf did a quick analysis of the room in his mind's eye. He was standing between Vevin and the portal, filled with its demons and, and consuming fire. Luckily, nothing had noticed the leak and tried to find its way out into this world, but Manolf couldn't keep it open for much longer without risking discovery. And so he charged, howling with fury and slamming into Vevin with all the force he could muster. 
The boy barely brought up his weapon in time to stop Manoff's blade from tearing into his throat, but the force of the tackle sent both of them through the portal and into the flaming abyss. They fell for what seemed like an eternity, through smoke and ash and sulfur, until they crashed into the sea of bodies that lined the charred ground. Vevin hit first, smashing into one of the tormented and crushing her beneath his weight. Manolf made a more graceful landing, also breaking his fall with one of the bodies, but rolling and coming to his feet more quickly than his son, who lay dazed for a moment. The wretched souls all around them be pulled back in terror and began crawling away, moaning in the continuant of their never-ending agony. Manolf snarled and swung at his confused son, a deep, dark hatred burning inside of him. How dare this child, this whelp, treat him like this? Vevin did not deserve to live for even a second longer. The swing of his blade was empowered by his rage, and had he connected, he would have surely severed Vevin's head from the rest of him. Unfortunately, he didn't connect. Vevin suddenly regained his balance and his clarity. Maybe he really hadn't lost it at all, and dodged out of the way of the clumsy swing, ducking under and away from his father. Then, with his own small silvery sword, he cut off Manulf's hand at the wrist. Manulf felt a searing pain, and then a terrible weight settled on his soul. No. No. I need my hands. I need both of them to close the portal. To use the power. He had lost one of his hands. He had lost one of his hands. Manuel screamed. A blood-curdling, pain-racked scream. And then dove headfirst into Vevin's center of mass. They became a twisting pile of legs and arms surrounded by the wretched souls of the dead. With their own pale limbs reaching, longing after something to release them from their pain. Manolf headbutted Vevin, and the boy was almost knocked out right there. But a second later, Manolf was howling and shoved his bloody stump of a hand down Vevin's throat. The boy choked and sputtered, but Manolf would not release him. Pinning him down with his body and holding his arm down with his one good hand and a foot, Manolf slowly choked the life out of his son with his bloody arm. Vevin's eyes rolled back in his head as he passed out. Manolf grabbed the blade that still lay in the grip of his disembodied hand, wrenched it free, and then stabbed Vevin in the face, not once, not twice, but twenty times, over and over, until there was nothing left but an unrecognizable mass. Manolf stood to his feet, still bleeding from where his hand had just been a moment ago, and ripped off a piece of cloth from Vevin's shirt, wrapping it as well as he could with one hand over his bloody stump. The hair in the back of his neck stood up, and with a chill, ironic because he was in hell, Remember where he was and who lived here. He whirled and found him standing there. Tarwa, the demon who had given him his powers. You made a mistake coming here again, the demon said, voice deep and grating. He glanced at Manolf's stump. And I see you've lost a tool of the power I gave you. He grinned a toothy grin. You should have been more careful. Manolf felt terror. For the first time in years, he was mortified with the fact that he might die. And then a snarl ripped loose from his throat, and he dove headlong beneath the demon's legs. Tarwa tried to grab him, and but Manolf slid, the ground slick with his own blood. The old man scrambled away as fast as he could towards the portal, but almost stopped short when he realized that it lay dozens of feet into the air, suspended above the massive bodies covering the floor of hell. He was trapped. He couldn't even open another portal without both of his hands. And that is as far as I got. Alright, so first of all, I think him say, talking about his... That, oh, I just got a new shirt was a little cheesy. And, um... Also... Well, it was the idea that, like, he, he's so callous that he doesn't care. 
That that that's all right, he cares but about. He, but he he does care right now. He hates them. True, true. That's that's true. So he, I don't think he he all he wanted to do was kill them. I don't think he was even noticed that there was blood on his shirt. Plus mm-hmm. he's blind, so you know. Um, and then there was one other thing before that. I like I like to mention the the comments <laughs> that we got. Oh, okay. So so Carly Pinch first said. Story time with the Powers Brothers. And then she said, violent story time. Very violent story time. And then Ethan wrote, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. His son being killed by his own arm. Was, uh, yeah. It was quite disgusting. Yes, it was. And th- that was the point, though. Like, um, I actually I originally wrote this um, hoping to, to submit it to an anthology that was basically, um, like, scoundrels was i think the name of the the anthology so just basically Mm -hmm. a bunch of like bad people (laughs) right and so that was kind of the point um but uh yeah so the main thing i'm wondering is like how do i wrap that up while fulfilling the promises that i i had at the beginning well i don't know what promises you've made well okay so the the main the main promise and the twist of the story is Menel swore in his two good hands that he would send his children to hell. Right. Right? So that line sets up the fact that he would lose his hand. Um, And now I want to, I, I'm just curious as to where, how to end it so that it's, it's not just, because I mean, at this point he's basically killed all of his children and the other two ran away. Yeah. He also killed them in hell. I don't think that makes sense. What do you mean? If they're in hell, aren't they dead? No. And where did they go when they died? No. So in like hell? the only the, the the wretched people who are like on the floor were people who had already died and then are bound right, so, to, to hell. So where did those guys go? I don't understand. That's actually a good point. I, what I should actually do then is I should write a bit about um his body basically just like ejecting this like shell that is the soul, like um his his son or whatever, right. and then just joining the, the charnel pit. To signify that that's that's what was happening, or a body falls from the sky, right? Yeah, I, I'll 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 definitely put that in. I think, um, but um, yeah, like I, yeah, I think he should die, and then a body falls from the sky, and that's his shell, or his soul. I mean, I think that's inter- more interesting than his body ejecting a, a, a shell. I feel like that'd be kind of weird, and I feel like it'd be really mortifying to then him <laughs> hear a crash behind him, and oh, that's my son's soul. Well, uh, that's the thing. Like, as you can tell by the rest of the story, the point is kind of to be a little disgusting. Right. Like, that was kind of my goal with this, is to right. make... Like, like, and this is the thing. Like, I'm not doing it because I, 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 I'm, like, okay with any of the things that mental health is doing whatsoever. Right. The point is um, that, like, this is human depravity on display, right? Like... Right. And so I guess maybe the the thing to do is to let mental get what's coming to him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was I was hoping that's what you'd say, but I again, I just don't know how to do that exactly without just making it like, oh, he dies in hell, right? There has to be like a emotional re- resonance that happens. There has to be some sort of like point, right? Like some sort of thing where you know maybe like the demon says something like, you know, I'll give you your hand back if you uh, if I take like like um like what if he takes the power back? Hmm. Or something. I I think I think it'd be more interesting if you humbled him rather than killed him. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how you do that with with that being foreshadowed somehow. And that's the thing. I can go back, right? Let's and... send him to the winds. Hmm. No, that. Oh, there you go. That that was foreshadowed. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. How could I do that? Because, like, I mean, I he could probably attempt to do, open a portal with just one hand. It would not be easy. Okay. So. At the beginning of this, you should change some of the... Uh, when he's walking through the forest, mm -hmm. a storm was coming. A storm was coming, and that's why it was pretty windy, so he was able to get there faster than normal. Because he was riding the winds, right? And then Oh, so, yeah, that's one guy... thing you don't get from um, from uh, listening to it instead of reading it. I capitalized winds, so the idea was that that was just the name for the alternate dimension that that allowed oh, him to go from place to place that's not nearly as cool then no it should literally be he he transferred himself to the plane of wind okay and he's being carried by winds mm -hmm. and then it, it, he, he notices that a storm is coming and so then this guy the tarwa or whatever mm -hmm. um says well you've banished your your children to hell um uh or something um and you want to be separated from them, right? You know, I, I take it you don't want to spend the rest of your life down here with with your with your children. They might have tried to kill you again. And it's like, all right, well, I'll spare you. And he sends him into the winds, and then a storm comes, and he's being carried along, and he just slowly goes insane. Yeah, that might work. I'm I'm just trying to think of. I don't know why, why Tarwa would do exactly. that. Exactly, that's the thing. Like in a in it must be something like, that's the thing. Like um, Manwolf has to have some sort of leverage over Tarwa or something. Then, if that's if that's really what happens, I like the idea of an ending in the winds. I think that makes a lot of sense, because I I otherwise like f talking about the winds and like foreshadowing this whole like. Um. Foreshadowing the whole, uh, you can go insane if you stay here. Mm. Why it's does kind he know of pointless. That? that was the first thing that I was like, what the heck? I mean, maybe Tarwa told him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's the one who gave it the powers. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I like those. Okay, so here, let's, let me. What if, what if, what if Tarwa is like. Oh, and Ethan and Carly, if you have any ideas, for you, feel what free if, to pitch them. What if, uh, yeah, um, but what if, what if, like, uh, what's this, what's this guy's name? Manhouse? Manelf. Manelf. What if Manelf? Not Manelf. Manelf. M-A-N-U-L-F. He's not really afraid of this hell place, right? No. Neither is Tarwa. Mm-hmm. And so Tarwa looks around, he's like, everybody's in pain and stuff here, and a lot of people think that the demons, like as myself can't be afraid or scared um as 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 he says a lot of people think that demons such as myself such as us are not really afraid of anything especially not this place um and and he knows he's like conquered this place in his mind like he's no longer tormented by this place mm -hmm. and um he pretty much says but there is a place that that does 
scare us. There is a place that does torment us. And that's that's the winds. And, and you know, that that's losing power, that's losing control, that's losing your own mind. Or something. I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of stupid to think there's a place that's worse than hell though right so so, so i think i think maybe what it should be now that i'm thinking about it i think um manolf should um manolf should basically get away from tarwa by uh, opening one more portal right and it's to it's to the winds um but when he does that basically he like ruins his other hand because it's not supposed to work like that so he's like, it just ruins his other hand. So he goes into the winds, but he can't get out. Right. And then he he just like floats there, like right. it like it said. And then it gets to the point where like he you know that control he felt just slowly starts to melt away, and he he gets more helpless and more helpless. And then he feels completely out of control because he can't change anything now, and he's just stuck here forever. Right. Because the control was the whole thing that was like mentioned as the the point. Mm-hmm. man that's super dark and depressing <laughs> yeah uh, Carly was saying this is all very interesting and very dark I like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think that could, does that make sense that, that makes anything? sense to me okay yeah mm-hmm. I don't know so how foreshadow the storm write this down well that's the thing I don't know if there needs to be a storm um because I think it'd be cool if it was then he was carried away so fast and all these different winds and that's true. You know, he's blowing around everywhere. Everything's it's a violent ending for him. Okay. Yeah. Everything is raging around him and he's helpless. Mm -hmm. He can't even move his hands. He can't even see what's going on. Okay. Foreshadowing storm in the winds. Um, escapes, escapees, no, no, that's, that is a word, sir. Um, also, I don't think any of his children should go to hell. I feel like then he wins. What do you mean? He wins. He he killed all his children and they all went to hell. What is this world? Like what? No, but that's the thing, right? Like that was the promise of the first... That was the promise of the first sentence. Right. He, he, like, he, Manolf would give up his own two, his two good, he swore on his two good hands that he would send his children to hell. And so he sacrifices so he, both of his He sacrificed both of his hands to send his children to hell. Okay. Right? All like, right, that was the whole idea of the whole story, is right. that first line being, encompassing the, literally the entire story in right. that line. Um. So yeah, escapes Tarwat um, by going to the winds ruins last hand um stuck in winds slowly loses control i mean yeah that's that's pretty much satisfactory ending right there except i want his children to be alive but I don't know why they would be. I mean, two of them are, are still alive. Yeah. Jan in bed. 
Ped's a stupid name. <laughs> it's B E D D. Uh-huh. It looks better than it than it reads. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense then? Yeah, I think it's fine. Okay. Cool. What do you think, Carly? Does that sound like a satisfactory ending to this? Does that like fulfill the promises that were given at the at the beginning of the of the story and like wrap it all up with a nice little bow? Um, or is it just just dark? Switches. <laughs> I sometimes I, whenever I reread that short story, I remember how dark it was, and I, right. I kind of had kind of forgotten, and I was like, "Oh right, he he chokes at his own son with his bloody stump arm." Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, Caleb. That's well. I don't. I don't know what I was thinking that day, but pretty disgusting. Yeah, I mean, but that was kind of the point. It was the point that he, this guy, is a bad person, and he's going to act like it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very angry. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like because it's a short story, it's just, it leaves you like, oh, wow. Right, but that, you know, yeah, it's fine. Then. It doesn't have to be like, like there can't be a redemption arc for this guy. Well, because, no, I don't want a redemption yeah. arc. I just want the good guys to win, but there is no good guys right now. No, I mean, to be it's honest, two me- people who ran away and they're not even good. They, yeah, none of the none of family was good. They're all just horrible people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there's just no. There's just right, no and that's the thing, right? Like, there's no, there's no real morality to it, right? Except, I mean, you, what is the except, point of the story? The point of the story is that it it fulfilled its promises, right? Like, right, right. But you know, I could write any story and fulfill the promises. So I mean, I think the theme is like control, right? Like, how much are you willing to sacrifice for control and um, if you go too far, then you lost yourself. Did he gain the whole world and lose his soul, Caleb? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, literally he did, right? Like, that's that's his, his character. is Like, he's the, the guy who rules the world, basically. Yeah, I guess, I, I, I suppose you can write it in a way that's very satisfactory for him to die or lose control. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, you should, you should emphasize when he's fighting him or when he, like, chokes him out. He just, like, whispers, control. Like, even without my hand, I'm in control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Tarwa comes. And, then and that's when he it. stops losing. Yeah, yeah, stops having control. Because he's that's the guy with the control. It? Like, because Tarwa was the one who gave him the control in the first place. Right. And he's the one who can take it away. The control, choking out. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's that short story has been like sitting there for like two years without an ending, and I've, it's frustrated me every time I've looked at it because like sometimes I would periodically like reread old stuff I've written, right. and I always get to the end and I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't end. Ah, <laughs> gosh. So okay, cool, cool. I guess it's that. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a little bit of a short time, but I mean that it was a short story, so I guess that makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the reason that, the main reason I guess this came up is because I actually reread it, I kind of was, like, looking at it today, um, because I have kind of gotten back into writing again. I wrote 2,000 words today, so that was good. Proud of you. Yeah. Um, because I, I basically, what I did was I realized that, um, the chap, the first chapter of To Look Skyward needed to be split into two chapters, and so it's going to be twice as long now. But that's because like I need I needed to give the 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 main character like a time 
to actually like do the thing he's good at before like i had basically just set up this like really long scene like detailing like him preparing for this like um uh, debate that he was going to do with this guy and then i like skipped over half the debate and just got to the end of the debate i'm like no like i need to show him like being good at orating and like being good at presenting arguments and so i just split the chapter and then went to started the started another scene and then um made character sheets in burning wheel and then ran it as a duel of wits yeah <laughs> um, very good and I've, i'm only halfway through the duel of wits but um that, that helped me visualize it a lot a, mm-hmm. a lot more and I, I what i'm gonna do actually i i because i i actually um hacked the burning wheel life paths a little bit for for the, the upper city like the different parts of the city um and the setting that i have for tulix skyward um and uh i made a main character sheet for this guy and so i'm basically just going to run the whole book i think as a burning wheel game right. all the way through and i know i won't necessarily use all the results it gives me but right. it would be it's a good i think it's a fun experiment for to give me a little bit more idea of like well one because it's it's nice to have a character sheet in front of you mm-hmm. to like be like all right what is this guy good at what tools does he have at his disposal to use mm-hmm. to overcome problems and when i have that in front of me then i can like be like Oh right, he knows about history. He can mm-hmm. use history here, right? And it's it's really helpful. So, um, thank you, Carly. Thank you. She says, "Whoa, two thousand words. Whoa, whoa, go, Caleb." <laughs> so, yeah. So writing has been on my mind lately. So, um, this is good. This is good. Now I can actually like finish that short story, and I, I don't know, maybe like actually send it somewhere and like see if it gets published. Hopefully, um, it. Uh... It never does. It's got a, hopefully, it's got a rating on it. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, oh, I'm I don't know if I ever said this on hmm. on the podcast before, or I don't know if I've even told you this. I feel like I've told you this before, but I sent off uh, that short story I wrote a while back about the to look skyward, like in the in the past, the distant past, um, that I wrote for creative writing class and sent it to, to Tor, and they gave me back a rejection letter. And basically said yeah, like that. that I said did I tell you basically um, for the for Carly and the podcast people like um, uh, they sent me back a rejection letter the editor who looked at it and was basically the basically the letter was like this is really good but it's like a me personally it was like too personal of a thing like a, of thematic elements in it that I I don't feel like this like I want I want to like edit this and publish it because like but this has nothing to do with like the quality of the piece. He was like, this is really good, but uh, I'm not, I'm unfortunately not the editor for it, um, which is really like encouraging because it's like, if I had gotten a different editor, like, holy crap. <laughs> and it's torfreaking.com. The, the problem is they, they just closed their, their open short story submissions. And that uh-huh. was the last, I, I submitted that because I, they, I saw that they were going to close them. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I'm going to look around again and, and see, um look at some other places but i mean tour.com is like the place that i'd want it to be want any right. story be published because tour is awesome um yeah anyway so writing nods because <laughs> i realized i nodded and then i was like wait this is gonna be an audio podcast at some point should probably like say a thing Anyway, it's late. We should leave. <laughs> uh, we've hit we've hit ten o'clock anyway, and that's usually when we when we end this. Even though we didn't yeah. start at eight, I, I still I still feel like we're like not giving our listeners what they need because it's just just this terrifying story of this old man <laughs> killing his children and he doesn't get what he, he doesn't get what he deserves, you know. And it's yeah. like, 
but <laughs> you know he does go insane at the end mm-hmm. and there is a point to this story is that yeah he gained the whole world and then he lost his soul right and that's the thing like that's that's why it, ha- it didn't have an ending is because i didn't mm-hmm. know what it was right i didn't know what the story was going to be about i just knew that i liked the first line and i wanted the story to be mm-hmm. about that thing um so yeah i'm trying to think i don't i don't think i have any other like half finished short story we could go through or anything but no i think we're good yeah all right. Cool. This has cool. been the Christian artist. This has indeed been the Christian artist. Um, and you, you sh- can, yeah, you can find us um, at our website at christianartist.christianartistshow.com, um, at Facebook at facebook.com/christianartistshow, and uh, on Twitter at Christian at Christ underscore art underscore show. Um, yeah, and of course you can find us here again on Mondays. 8 p.m. Central Time, usually. Um, we were a little late today, but, you know, that happens. <laughs> um, at uh, twitch.tv slash Caleb Powers. That's where I do all my stream and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, I don't really think there's going to be any other streaming this week. Because um, I'm actually, I'm going to go, I'm going down to visit Anna on Friday. So I don't think we're actually even going to have Chrome Quizzers or anything. Oh, what the what? I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Jared is DMing. <laughs> okay, Jared's yeah, gonna go ahead. Do a, do a thing, guys. Yeah. All right. No, he's gonna narrate quote unquote. Chrome no, Quisitors. he's not. <laughs> that was, I don't want to. I don't want to see Siegfried DMs Chrome Inquisitors. Yeah. Gosh. Anyway, Siege Fried. Caleb. Siege Fried. Yeah. Siege Fried. Uh-huh. If you want to know about Siege Fried and his misadventures, uh, <laughs> check out my YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. Where I post all the Chrome Inquisitors stuff. It's a role playing game we do. Friday nights uh, here on the Twitch stuff. Alright. Anyways. Sounds good. Yeah, that's it. We're out. Goodbye.